Good afternoon, evening, morning to everybody. This is the DC Comics News Podcast, episode 87. And I'm your host, Kelly Gaines, here with my wonderful partners in crime. I have Brad Filicky here. Brad, say hello. Hey, hey, everybody. Hey, Brad. And Seth Singleton. Hello, hello. How's it going? Going great. Great to be here. Awesome. Yes, another beautiful Saturday. Some good news, actually. We're having... uh, I think we're moving out of the shift of just constant delay news. We're getting we're getting somewhere with some things, so I'm excited. And <laughs> off that, we're going to jump right into movie news. Um, an update on Black Adam. We have a potential casting as Hawkman, um, and I think actually this casting has been confirmed by both The Rock and the actor. So uh, Aldous Hodge might be playing, or probably is playing Hawkman. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I liked his his uh, work in Straight Outta Compton, so uh, I think this will this will be a, a cool role, uh, role for him, and it'll do. I think it'll be amazing for his career overall. Uh, and I do I do like like Kelly, like you were saying that this is kind of showing that things are moving forward, and it's good it's good to see things starting to get back on track at least a little bit. You know, we'll still be stuck with some delays here and there, but things are starting to roll again and that's really nice to see uh seth what do you think i think it's huge when things are progressing even when we've been in such a i don't know how to describe it but um confusing position so i think this is like part of a slew of of upticks of news where you kind of feel like everybody's sort of like yawning and stretching and cracking like all right we're gonna start moving again but this is a a great casting announcement. I've been so excited ever since they, you know, let us know the possibility and then later the likelihood that there would be Hawkman in this story. And as soon as we got the Atom Smasher casting a little while back with Mr. Centineo, I was like, okay, when when are we going to get to Hawkman, though? Because that would be great. And this is a, a really great announcement for me. I'm excited. It just means that that much closer. Um, I mean, Hodge has this amazing, you know, listing of films that he's been in projects he's been in and i i like the idea of having that kind of power and presence behind hawkman how about you kelly yeah i and i'm not very familiar with um you know i i can't recall a ton of things that i've seen that he's been in but this is really good news and um yeah just the fact that we're moving forward and we're getting some sort of an announcement about the next steps of this movie because i think i remember back in the the baby days of of this movie when we were first talking about the fact that it was going to happen and The Rock was all excited, it was really exciting for us to see that, you know, Hawkman might be in this. And it, it was kind of a conjecture. So now we're at a point where we have an actor cast. We know Hawkman's happening. We know at least a teaser concept art trailer version of what's going to happen in the movie. So I'm I'm pumped. I'm excited. This looks like we're moving into some good territory. And our next story, also some some movement, good or bad, we'll, I'll let you guys weigh in on that. But um, Zack Snyder is planning to reshoot or planning to shoot additional scenes for uh, the Snyder cut of the Justice League. So he's going to be reassembling a lot of the main cast members um, or attempting to reassemble them. What do you guys think? How did this news hit you, Brad? Uh, I. I, I like the idea of doing reshoots and Zach getting his complete artistic 
vision up on screen and if he felt that he needed to shoot some more i'm 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 all for that uh i i do wonder exactly how much he's going to have to reshoot or how much he's still left to do because it's curious to me that it may delay it because you know it mentions in the article that um Gal Gadot is now filming uh, Red Notice and uh, Cavill is is shooting The Witcher. So they're going to have to have some time freed up in their schedule to be able to do this. And I hope that they can get everything done so they can get this movie out next year like they like they want to. So I don't think there's a you know, there's not a release date set, but hopefully they can still hit a release for next year. Um you know, things like, you know, are, are getting back, but they're getting back slowly. So we're not completely done with COVID. So that might still play a part too. So, you know, uh, fingers crossed, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this and the idea that they are shooting some more footage for it. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I think it only makes sense given how long ago the original was shot. Uh, the fact that there's all these elements of the story that he wanted to originally tell that were never included in the cut that we saw in theaters. And the fact that if he's doing this much longer kind of four segment project, that having the reshoots and the shoots to justify it, to build out each component so it's as complete as possible, this just makes all the sense in the world. What's going to be really challenging is what, Kelly, you brought up and Brad, you've echoed, is the idea of the logistics. How feasible, how likely, how soon can it happen because of all the projects that others are going to be involved in? Uh, on top of it, you've still got the issue of how much certain characters will be able to play a role, like what we've been learning about Ray Fisher, uh, how it could be affecting his upcoming Flash movie role, and then it would affect this role. So things like that, I, I feel like are still going to be logistic hurdles, but also things are moving forward with the the sense of like, this is what we can expect so we can sort of chart the progress based on this new information and what it can mean for what we're expecting. How about you, Kelly? Uh, I'm going to be a naysayer on this one. Just I something about this announcement kind of took the wind out of my sails a little because I, I, I talked to one of my friends recently about the Snyder cut and he's so against it because he was like, well, if, if they're filming additional stuff, it's not, uh, it's not a new cut. It's it's kind of a do-over. It's uh, in it, some of the portions of this movie aren't going to be what was already filmed and just oh it was you know cut differently. Which and and that's neither here nor there. But what makes me worried is that it, it seems like they have to add a little bit to the narrative or add a little bit to what they have. And I mean we, we they didn't even have a an easy time getting Henry Cavill there for the original filming. Um, and now with COVID and all of these actors are in the middle of huge other projects. And uh, Seth, like you were saying, with the whole Ray Fisher controversy, I'm, I'm worried that we're going to get either a ton of pushbacks because it's going to be so hard for them to film anything additional or it, that it's just we're going to have these additional scenes and it's just not going to do what we expect it to do because either Gal Gadot couldn't film or or Henry Cavill couldn't film or four years is going to go by and we're going to be like all right well now we have it but now that movie was you know eight years ago or whenever it was that it came out <laughs> and I just it, it just worries me a little bit because I feel like when there's so 
many production changes to something that, uh, you know, in my head, it's as simple as they're re-editing the movie. They're looking back at, you know, footage that was cut at scenes that got taken out, um, you know, maybe sprucing up the CGI a little. But this is where we're getting into the territory where I'm like, ah, don't I don't know. Um, so, yeah, not not to be a total pessimist, but this makes me a little bit skeptical. Always the pessimist, Kelly, I swear. No. Um, <laughs> just trying to keep us grounded, guys. <laughs> you bring up great points. You know, I think what really sticks for me is that knowing that this is what he's already setting us up for. It's like, OK, well, you're telling us what you want to do and we know all the issues in the way. So now let's go, Maestro. How do you do it? Like you right. need to start pulling some tricks. You need to show us that this has all been discussed so that it works. Otherwise, you're starting from ground zero as far as negotiating with everyone, working with schedules. It, it It's a lot to untangle if there hasn't already been some work in progress. So I, I, I get the grounded, um, <laughs> you know, but I'm optimism guy. Like I'm all about like, OK, well, now we know what we got to accomplish. Let's get to work. <laughs> and a lot of people are like, are you kidding me? Have you looked up? That's a ridiculously. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I've been there. Once you've done it a couple of times, it's really easy to just go, yeah, so that's what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have time for questions. We just got to do this. So I, I like that that could be, you know, a winning strategy. Time will tell. <laughs> how much time? You brought up a great point. Eight years. Ooh, how much do we care? How much do we? Yeah. So we're hey, gonna... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, look, the, if anything... When we're not being a hive mind, we're balancing each other out. So anyone listening to this, if you can fall into the pessimistic Kelly camp or the the happy Seth and Brad camp, either way, only time's going to tell. And I can't help to think that there is going to be a book published about the whole process of the Snyder Cut from... And there might have even been already one about the actual movement itself, but from the movement of release the Snyder Cut to getting it released to getting it made. And there's just going to be some some interesting stories. And I think that this would definitely be part of that, how they shot the reshoots, why they had to shoot the reshoots, you know, that kind of thing. So there might be a little bit more to the story that we don't know. Um, yeah, you know, maybe. Uh, you know, I, maybe there's something that they have in store or coming down the line that they needed to do reshoots for some way to kind of fit the story into some kind of bigger narrative. So uh, I, I guess maybe that's why I'm hopeful. So we'll see. <laughs> OK, I, I like that. I like that theory, because my like when you first started on that track, I was like, what are they going to shave Henry Cavill? Like, is that is that what <laughs> is that the change they're going to make? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's if it's building up to something bigger and to sort of get the entire DC extended universe moving again, then okay, I'll I'll accept it. I'll hold my breath for this. It but only for so many years. <laughs> nice job, Brad. Good work. Good work, Kelly. <laughs> Yay! Right. It's, Brad just Brad knows how to bring it home. Out <laughs> of boy, Brad. <laughs> So our next bit of news, um, the Batman is continuing filming. I know a while back we talked about them having another COVID shutdown, but they are back and they're going to be filming in Liverpool in October. Uh, Brad, what do you think? Uh, I love it. Um, I think I think all of our excitement level has gone through the roof 
um, you know, since we saw the trailer. And anything that gets us closer to seeing that film when we're supposed to is, is a good thing. Uh, and, and I'm going to go back to the COVID thing, too. This is showing that things are starting to get back up and running. And, you know, they did have the COVID scare with Robert Pattinson a few weeks ago. So that seems to be behind them. So that's a good thing. So, yeah, th- this this story I'm pretty optimistic about. Uh, Seth, uh, Seth what do you think? Patient progress, man. Patient progress. So this is why I can look at the Zack Snyder story with such optimism, because so many months ago, this didn't seem so likely. This didn't even seem like it could be a possibility and when it could come. And yet here we are talking about uh, filming in Liverpool, the fact that probably because there's less people out, because there is um, enough understanding that you can shoot outside scenes and get a lot of this stuff that they're going to use is what I really love, uh, the sort of foundation for a lot of CGI work, too. There's some lovely things to consider with the idea of like, okay, so this is how we find our way forward. We look for opportunities that don't increase risk, that don't increase exposure, that allow us to, you know, check certain things off. And then we move closer to the things that are going to get harder. But for right now, we tackle the things we know we can do. And we do it because it's a possibility and because we've gotten past a couple of scares. Uh, This kind of news is really encouraging for me. So, uh, yeah, you know, just staying there with my flag. Hi. Kelly, how about you? <laughs> All right, so I'm in the same camp as you guys for this one. I and it's this is funny because I when we first when when I first started doing this podcast with you guys, I I was so negative about the Batman. I just I I think I just ripped on on Matt Reeves and the whole idea really? for the longest time. I was I I was so just like we don't I we don't need another Batman movie right now. Like the, the let's let's wash our hands of the Justice League and then figure out something else. But I mean that trailer just bought me hook line and sinker. Um and and actually the casting of Robert Pattinson because he strikes me as an actor who will never again be in a movie that he doesn't love. Um, and, and even with this announcement, the fact that they're going back and, and shooting things on an actual set and not just CGI and not just, um, you know, it's, it it changed a lot with COVID. And this to me seems like they're really taking the necessary steps to make this movie as good as possible and that they can survive, you know, the main big COVID shutdown, another COVID scare. And they're still, everyone still seems so dedicated to it. Um, so I, right now I am standing on the side of good for them. I think this movie is going to be great. And I totally take back all of the smack I talked like a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, that's, we, we would call that growth from yeah, some I'm of the experiences I've had. <laughs> I, Nothing sometimes wrong I'm, with that. Although, you know, well, it, although the movie could come out and like, I could have been, but you know what? We're not even going to go there. We're going to move right on. the Japanese trailer for Wonder Woman 1984 has been released and it shows a little bit of extra footage that we didn't get to see in the trailer here in the U.S. Brad, what did you think? I'm going to be honest here and say that I couldn't really recognize a whole lot of footage that we hadn't seen before. But that being said, this movie still looks like it's going to be so, so much fun. And it's... I'm so I'm so bummed that we've had to wait this long. We have to, and they keep pushing it back by months. So hopefully this will be a good Christmas present 
that uh, I can go and see on Christmas Day. So, um, yeah, I mean, this movie, beyond what, um, you know, what, what we have seen and what we haven't, this this trailer and this movie looks like it's, you know, my, my enthusiasm hasn't waned at all. Uh, Seth, what do you think? Ah, Brad, you just brought up one of my favorite memories as a child. Um, both my parents worked. And one of the things that my dad did to make sure got uh, this guy is such like my hero. Um, he would work like a eight hour shift and then he'd pick up, which was allowed at a certain period, another eight hour overtime and like call me from work and be like, here, I need you to put this laundry in. I'll fold it later. I need you to start this for the oven. So we'll have dinner ready and do this. And the, the guy was just like workaholic. I mean, in a good way, he always had the, a pretty good balance, but one of the biggest things was he always wanted to build up extra money around the holidays. So he would work as many midnight shifts as possible. And that would mean he would get home at seven in the morning. And mom had this rule, like your father's going to sleep before we have Christmas. So the only way we could manage until dad either got home, because sometimes he would work until like a seven to three or something or some other crazy mixture, she would be like, we're going to go to the movies. And going to the movies on Christmas was this way of like biding time until it was okay to open presents, hanging out. You know what I mean? Like, what a great, like, I love that you mentioned this as a Christmas present because the fact that we could actually get this movie as a Christmas present was so heartwarming an idea. It immediately brought me back to like this very fond childhood memory. So love that, man. This trailer, though, it was all the reasons to look forward to Christmas. Like it, it had a couple of little pieces that to me just, it felt like, I hadn't seen that. And if I had, I don't remember it. I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I'm just fooling myself. And then for some reason, I was able to pay attention in this trailer a little bit more to the two action scenes that we had uh, with Kristen Wiig, where we see her in full cheetah regalia and sort of like crouching down. And later when they've got that tangle moment, I don't know why I didn't notice it as well when I'd seen the earlier versions of the trailer don't know why it was that I noticed it in this one, but I did. And I enjoyed the excitement of that. And again, just got me back to like, wonder what I'll get for Christmas. <laughs> you know, no guarantees, but I like the hope. I like the want. And I love the fact that looking forward to it. I mean, it, there were two moments with her using the lasso, one with the lightning bolt, which we'd seen, but another one on a clear clear blue sky with a bit of there was just some really wonderful sensations of like where is this all going how does this tie and i love that kind of excitement kelly how about you i i love that you brought up the movies on christmas thing because actually that's something that my dad has always done it's where whatever big movie came out on christmas he would after presents or sometimes after like visiting family go to the movies and sometimes I think he went alone if it was a movie none of us wanted to see with him and I think that made him happy but I, <laughs> I <laughs> weirdly enough though I fall sort of I, I I'm in both of your camps this time to the extent that when I first watched this trailer I I didn't notice a ton of differences I was like is this like that that old emperor's new clothes fable where they're like he's totally wearing clothes don't you see them and everyone doesn't see the clothes but they're like oh yeah I see the clothes and like totally, I didn't totally see any see. big differences but I rewatched it a second time and and noticed I mean there there seems to be a little extra Maxwell Lord I I think I saw an extra explosion in there um and I mean the lasso action I you gotta love some lasso action you can't love Wonder Woman and not love the lasso 
Um, either way, this this movie looks like it's going to be amazing. I'm excited for it. I know so many people who are excited for it. And I do, I like, Brad, you really cracked open a good egg here because I was furious that it was going to take so long to see it. And now I'm like, oh, Christmas present. Like, now it's sweet. Now it's not infuriating. <laughs> Brad, batting a thousand here, buddy. Two for two yeah, on right? those moments. Oh, yeah. <laughs> unintentionally brightening up my day that's <laughs> <laughs> what i'm here for <laughs> man we gotta get this guy doing like charity work telethons or something like, come on people i'm gonna drive it home send in that money or the 4 a.m slot right when they when nobody's donating <laughs> shove brad in there he'll, he'll bring the donations back <laughs> brad kelly says you bring it home bring it home son bring it home <laughs> Stephen, now now I got to go dark again because our our next story, um, a continuation of both the Snyder Cut planning, the planning of the Flash movie, um, Ray Fisher's dispute with Warner Brothers is very far from settled. Um, and at this point, he is saying that they're actively spreading misinformation. Um, Brad, what was your takeaway from this? Oh, man. Uh, this, this is such such a mess. Uh, and I, I can't really get my head around it because if he was having such an issue, it's amazing to me that he still wants to play the character. And, and I mentioned this when we talked about it the last time, but, uh, you know, kudos for him. If he went through this abuse and then still loves the character enough to come back and still wants to deliver for fans. So I can respect that. But I just it, it just seems like it's such a mess all the way around. And, you know, I I uh, I hope that the truth comes to light, you know, and uh, I'm sure it will. It's just a matter of how long and what kind of legal battles are ahead for this particular story. So we'll we'll see. Seth. I'm man. You, you raised, boy, Brad, like really knocking him out of the park today, man. You raised a really great point for me. Um, and Kelly, it's not your responsibility when it comes to dark stories following light. That's just going to happen, man. That's just how it goes. I don't hold you responsible in any way. Um, but Brad, you brought up a really great point, which is it with such a mess. Why does this, why is this character so important to continue playing? How is it that it hasn't been enough to walk away? And yet... There's also, you know, the equal side of that, which is it's also inspiring what you brought up, this feeling that someone cares enough about this character or has such a connection that they're like, no, this stuff is not good and it needs to be fixed. And I'm challenging anyone who disagrees with me because I believe my position is right. But at the same time, this shouldn't be something that sacrifices the opportunity for this great character to be on screen, to play an important role, to hopefully build to a, a solo project should that ever finally develop down the road. Um, it, it's it's an impressive display of resilience. And it's also that, that, that challenge of like, okay, if you're fighting for what's right and what you believe in, how, how far do you fight? How is it at some point even worth it afterwards? But I, I think he knows and sees that in a way you know, for whatever position he has right now, that's that's clear enough. And I love the fact that as we see this play out, should, you know, he get the chance to, to finish this project and be on the winning side, uh, there's this uh, amazing admiration that I'll have for when we do discover, like, what was it 
that kept you in this for so long? Because I, I think it's going to be a combination of what we know and then always that great discovery of something we never knew or realized. Kelly, how about you? Yeah, this story is so conflicting to me because on one hand, I very much, uh, you know, believe his dedication for the character and to see him talk about Cyborg and talk about what having that role means to him is really heartwarming. He has such a, a general or a general, such a genuine love and attachment to playing this character and to making this character, um, you know, as as impactful as it can possibly be for the DC universe. Um, and I, I remember watching him talk at, at Justice Con. He was he was excited. He was passionate. He had so much to bring to the table that I feel like we didn't get to see. Um, but with this whole controversy, it's confusing a little bit because on one hand uh you know brad like you said is it really worth it for him to put himself through this because clearly he's making his path to playing the character a lot harder by having put what happened out there and then sort of sticking to his guns that makes sense and that's a very admirable thing to do but it's almost as if he's standing in his own way because at the same time he's trying to continue with this character um and it's if anything it's just he hasn't taken the easy path which is again an admirable thing in in somebody but i it just worries me a little bit because i we we still don't have a lot of specifics about what happened like i i'm still not entirely certain what uh, what went on what made him feel the way he felt and without that information it's really hard to gauge you know should he have just waited until after you know the flash was filmed and and the snyder cut came out and then you know maybe said something at that point because that's what would have been best for him playing the character or is what happened so big that it's important that he's speaking out before he even continues on because it, it seems like these two things are both equally important to him the the legacy of cyborg and getting to play cyborg but then at the same time also standing up for what he felt he experienced on set and what, you know, I, I assume other people on set experienced as well. So it just, it's conflicting because it's like, he's, he's going for two goals sort of here. And there's, I just don't believe even as, as public as this fight has been, I don't believe that it's going to be handled in the way that he wants it to at this point, which is really disappointing. Cause I mean, watching him talk about cyborg, I was like, yes, this is, this man needs to come back, play Cyborg, do the Flash movie, do a solo movie. Like, he is it. And I just, I, I have a sneaking feeling that it's not going to happen that way anymore. And so our next story, um, going right into the animated DC Universe, Batman the Killing Joke is coming to Netflix. Uh, Brad, how did you feel about that? I think uh, I think it's very cool, and I'm just wondering. Well, two things I'm wondering. One, I'm wondering why isn't it going to HBO Max? Which leads me to the second thing that I'm wondering is, does this mean that other DC animated movies are going to be heading to Netflix? So I don't, you know, the whole legal rights and and licensing and things like that. I'm just not sure exactly what's going on here, because it seems a little counterproductive for HBO Max to give Netflix one of its animated movies. So I was a little, um, I'm wondering a little bit how that all worked out. But, uh, you know, it, it 
it brought it back into my radar, so I'll probably check it out when it does uh, hit Netflix again. Uh, Seth? Yeah, the only thing that I could really sort of respond to with this initially for like, why would you make this decision was the fact that it's perfect sort of, it's a horror movie. Like it's, it's got a lot of positive things, but the way that the Joker is like this, like, I mean, <laughs> he's a different version, but you know, you look at, at some of your, uh, all I can think of is, uh, you know, Jason or, other legendary horror characters where it's just like they just keep coming you think you kill them you think you lock them up you think and for me that's sort of where joker and the killing joke fits in for me because it's it's like when he unleashes this uh maniacal horror uh there's a part of me knowing what we've seen from the um sort of trailers and intro to death in the family that there's this feeling of that having a shared you know sort of channel at some point where because of the sort of horrific nature of it it actually fits into like a halloween horror nightmare sort of feeling but then brad you bring up the great point like okay so what's the purpose of having that go to netflix though why wouldn't you want to have that be something on HBO Max? Is it a wider audience draw? Because eventually you'll pull it back and it'll only be on HBO Max or what else? But, you know, beyond anything that I can actually calculate, this is where I have to recognize that these people, when it comes to advertising and such, are much smarter than I, at least much more experienced or, you know, they just got the position. So (laughs) they can go, we have data that suggests this is a good move. Uh, We'll see how that plays out. How about you, Kayla? Oh, God. I, this movie is such a sore spot for me. And there's uh, there's two main reasons. And I mean, the first one, when this came out, it was in theaters for two days. And it was in select theaters. And it was playing in my local movie theater. Um, so I took myself to see it. And it was a packed house. And I I think I was probably the only person in the audience who was there by myself and one of the only women in the audience. And the guy next to me, after like kind of looking over and registering that I I wasn't there with anyone, was like, so do you like Batman? I was like, why why else would I be here? Who else pays $20 (laughs) to to go sit in a theater with a bunch of... So... (laughs) That, that, I mean, maybe yeah, that started me off on the wrong foot. I think you might have ran into Kite Man. I'm not saying for sure, but that definitely seems like a Kite Man. Moment. Hell yeah. Like, so, yeah. So, you like that, It was Batman? just one of those, like, it was such a movie moment because I, I kind of watched him, like, look around, look next to me, like, watch me for a minute and then go, so, you're a Batman fan? Like, and it just, it was just very, very odd, but... My issue with this movie was there's the parts that are actually directly from The Killing Joke are very well done. It's the side storyline that they added in about Barbara Gordon that just uh, destroyed it for me. Because they part of the controversy around The Killing Joke is the fact that it's, you know, a huge women in refrigerators moment for Barbara. That, you know, Batgirl, one of the coolest female DC characters, was paralyzed. And it was, you know, kind of this shock to the wider fandom because initially this was going to just be a one-off story. um, And it ended up changing the fabric of her character. So in 
all of uh, all of Barbara's re- recent relaunches, they kind of address this, and it's sort of, um, you know, it, it's sort of they they've given her her power back. And when I heard that they were doing the Killing Joke as a movie, I was like, okay, well, you know, the Killing Joke is still a really good story, despite that. But they added in this secondary storyline to, I guess, bring a little bit more agency to Barbara, and it does exactly the opposite. Like, there, there's a scene that opens up after she's paralyzed. There's a scene that opens up on her butt. Like, the, the first shot of the scene is her butt, and then it pans up to her running. And, like, it just... And and it's and she she sleeps with Batman on on the roof of something like the whole it's it's not it it frustrates me. So the fact that it's coming to Netflix <laughs> was was kind of neither here nor there. But I do think it's a little bit weird that you know we're we're doing this whole HBO Max push and they still don't have a ton of DC content on HBO Max. And I, as far as I know, HBO and Netflix aren't buddies. Like, I don't think you can stream HBO through Netflix at all. So it just, it doesn't make logistic sense either. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 God, I'm being a jerk in this episode, but boo to this too. <laughs> See, now, now, now I'm going to have to rethink my idea of wanting to rewatch it again because I, I remember that now. I'm like, oh boy. That, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, is why Alan Moore is a grumpy old man that refuses to talk to <laughs> anyone about his work once he writes it and gets it out there. Yeah, that's a perfect example. <laughs> Way yeah, to go, Warner Brothers. out the ugly spot. it was like the total fly in the ointment like you were just afterwards you were like i can't i can't uh, you expect me to just move on from that from any of that like really why (laughs) because i'm still stuck there i'm I'm still living in that moment now yeah kelly i'm glad you brought those points up because i was like look i already know how you feel about this thankfully you know I, i paid attention when you pointed these issues out uh, before I had a chance to see it, and I was just like, oh, man, it's not something I'm looking forward to. It's really not. And then I saw it, and I was like, oh, man, it's almost as bad as I was warned. <sighs> and, yeah, I'm like yeah. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. But you're not being a jerk. You're you're being honest about a lot of the difficult parts that, that come with this. Like, we love these products. We love these stories. When something bad happens to them, when they get changed, when you – take away some of their best qualities by including stuff that doesn't represent what the original story was that takes away from the quality of some great characters in the process these are all valid things to point out and i'm really proud that you did like it's like okay thank you for being that voice because it it needed to be said i just i'm glad i'm not the one because we're not supposed to swear sometimes i get loud (laughs) you know so thank you you did it artfully, you did it tactfully, and more respectfully than I could have. So, much appreciation it's, there. It's, I, it's a good thing we're not on the Harley Quinn show right now, because I would have had a very different vocabulary for the way I worded all of that. But... <laughs> we should bring this up on an episode. I have no problem becoming my, well, my other self. Yeah, we should, that would be awesome. We should, because there's, there's so that. much to unpack here. <laughs> 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 but we digress, or I digress. Somebody exactly. else do, do progress. I don't have to digress. All right. So on that note, we're going to take a quick ad break before we jump into TV news. Um, so 
it, enjoy enjoy a couple ads. Try to erase the image of Barbara's butt out of your head. I mean, or or don't. I guess whatever. I'm not going to go any further into this. But quick ad break, and we will be right back. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First... There was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the night. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. F***ers. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 87 of the DC Comics News Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Gaines, and I am here with my two wonderful partners in crime, Brad Filicky and Seth Singleton. And we are just about to hop into the TV news, starting with some fun news stories about Batwoman. Um... The first picture of Havicia Leslie has been released with her in the Batwoman cowl. Brad, what did you think? 
Yeah, this is a, it's a cool picture. And, you know, gr- granted, uh, we didn't get to see like the full suit, but, uh, you know, I'll take it. And I like what I see. But this, again, is uh, going back to this, what seems to be the theme of the episode is it's nice to see things starting to come back into production again uh, uh, as COVID starts to wane. So and this is this is a perfect example, because, you know, when they had the fandom panel, they hadn't even worked together yet. They hadn't had costume fitting. So things are moving with this production are moving pretty quickly. So that's good to see. Seth. I think it's great to see, man. I totally agree with you. Uh, When we had the fandom, what what I loved the most about, you know, meeting her for the first time through that uh, great setup was she was so excited about seeing the fan concepts of costumes. And now we get a chance to see her in the costume. Plus, what I loved is the popularity behind this story. When my wife goes, yeah, um, Batwoman's costume has been revealed. And I'm like, oh, where are you at? She goes, it's on TMZ. And I was like, I, I, I like the exposure. I'm not going to say anything else about the platform. I like the exposure. Uh, <laughs> and it was actually her, like, you know, full uniform. And I, I got a kick out of the fact that the, the boots didn't look like they fit right. There were some other elements that looked like they were part of that development pro- process that it, it sounds like is going to be a really fun part of this story where uh, the character writer is actually, like, informing what works and what doesn't developing the costume developing her uniform into something that she first wears but then starts to make her own and it reminds me of that great thread line that we were talking about uh you know with the idea of the the batman movie coming up and how we're going to see more than one sort of approach to wearing a batman costume designing one improving it updating it and these elements all speak really well to me about what we can enjoy about the story and again, I loved her exuberance the first time we met her, and I'm continued. Like, it just sort of shined through, like, check it out. New Batwoman. And that sort of confidence and that presence, it's great stuff. How about you, Kelly? Well, so I've only seen that one picture of her sort of from the shoulders up with the cowl. And I do, she, I really, really like her. I'm really excited to see her in the role. Um, and, and she looks great in the costume. I think just my only my only little qualm with it was when, uh, you know, watching her talk about the role and watching the creative team talk about it, um, you know, and they, and they mentioned the, the changes to the costume and how they, you know, they wanted to make it very clearly Batwoman, but they didn't just want her to copy Ruby Rose. I mean, this at least that portion of the costume just sort of looked like you could have copied and pasted her face into, um, you know, into Ruby Rose's version of at least the cowl and the wig. Um, And also I kind of, I was sort of hoping that they would, you know, maybe give her a a different hairstyle or, uh, you know, maybe play with a look that wasn't just kind of the long straight red hair and do something different. But in any case, I'm still stoked about this show. She still looks amazing as Batwoman. Um, and, I mean, this is one picture, so this does not tell us what the final product is going to be. So I, I'll hold any further criticism for the the next set of photos. And branching right off of that into more Batwoman news, uh, we have two more casting decisions for season two. Leah Gibson and 
Nathan Owens are going to be playing recurring characters. Um, I believe Owens is playing someone called Ocean and Gibson is playing an assassin called the Whisper. Brad, what did you think? I am really curious if uh, Lee Gibson's character is going to be Whisper Adair. They mentioned it's in the article. Uh, so that would be kind of a cool villain to bring into the into the fold. And one thing that stuck out to me about the story is that they're talking about kind of two subplots in this season, and one being um, the mystery of what happened to, to, to Kate, and the other being basically the establishment of the new Batwoman. So once again, we're seeing, you know, we were all wondering exactly what, how they were going to bring in this new Batwoman. And even that's becoming a little more clear. So it, it, it's really fun to watch this production come together. This is one of those things like the Batman, where it seems like every week we have a story on it. And that's that's really that's really good to see. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I love new casting news simply for the same reason that you had brought up earlier, Brad. And it's it's one of those themes that I'm keeping in mind. The, the fact that things are moving forward, that we've got this progression development. And I love what you brought up with this idea of what is the, you know, is there a connection between the two mysteries? And how can they tie together as far as the, the progress of this first season and perhaps even further? One, you know, who... Who is this new Batwoman? And also, where did the Batwoman we used to know go? Where what what story will we hear you know develop out of that? Now the the castings also bring up some great stuff. I, I love what you guys are talking about with Whisper Adair. There's some great possibility there, and I also love the idea that we've seen concepts of characters that we know brought to uh, more original and very different points than we've experienced them in the comics and yet it was done to for the effectiveness of the show and oftentimes equally compelling if not more so than what we've enjoyed in the comics so i I like that flexibility and playing off of our expectations but then also letting us discover along the way whether or not what we hoped for what we anticipated was actually right how about you kelly yeah i I mean, like you said, this is casting news. It's news of something moving forward and and going further into production than we've seen. And that in and of itself is exciting. Um, and both of these characters sound really, really cool. They sound, um, I mean, it's it's hard to gauge without knowing exactly what role Batwoman's going to play in this universe. Not necessarily, I mean, obviously she's going to be Batwoman, but we don't, exactly know how she's stepping into the fold um but in any case i mean this this is good news it's something moving forward it's batwoman gaming gaining more traction and i love the fact that it's becoming one of those news stories that we come back to week after week because it means it stays on the radar um and yeah i just i I've, i've been rooting for batwoman so hard since ruby rose was the uh it was batwoman um, and I honestly, when, when she quit, I kind of thought it was dead in the water, but every single time we see a story like this, it kind of re-ups my faith that like, nope, we're, we'll make it. We'll see a season three. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see, but at this point I am still really excited about this. And so our next story, James Gunn and John Cena are going to be teaming up for a Peacemaker series. 
um, which is going to be, a, I believe, a prequel to The Suicide Squad. Um, and there's some details released, but they're holding off on a little bit until after the Suicide Squad movie comes out. Brad, what did you think? Uh, I think that they walked it back a bit about it being a prequel series. James, I think James Gunn tweeted that they're not going to tell us for sure if it is until after the movie comes out, because that'll lead to speculation, I think, to what happens to Peacemaker. But um, this is... This is another side to positive things that came out of the lockdown. Had the lockdown never happened, uh, James Gunn and John Cena, they never would have had the time to come up with this because he probably would have been on already to Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So, you know, when when you're at home and you don't have anything to do and you're a writer, you come up with a TV series. So I my although I guess my opinion and excitement for the show is kind of dependent on how the movie is, but I do lo- love James Gunn's work. So I'm pretty optimistic that this is going to be a-, a pretty fun movie and I don't see why the series would be any different. So uh, yeah, I- I'm-, I'm optimistic about, uh, about it being pretty good. Seth. Yes. When you're a writer and you're stuck at home, you do come up with stories. Sadly, mine uniters of the universe was not well received and rejected by all major productions and companies. So I'm going to keep at it. Um, clearly guardians of the galaxy is onto something I'm not, I'm not connecting with, but that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get in there. Um, <laughs> when it comes to this announcement though, it, it was really sort of fun that reading the first story, which is they're going to do this series and you're like, wow, why? And Gunn's like, yeah, uh, when they asked me if there was any other characters, I, I would think it would be worth of a spinoff. This was the one. And then, Brad, as you said, with the time available, what he was able to come up with. And I loved recently, uh, Jeff Lemire was doing uh, Inferior 5, I believe. Yeah, Inferior 5. And in the back of it was a whole sub story about uh, Peacemaker. And I think he was tying them together at some point, but the series got put on indefinite delay, as we reported on here many months ago. And I I don't know how it's going to play out, but I remember him from Showcase 93 more recently and some other. And and there's some recently with the uh, Lemire version, there was this whole other like psychology slash relationship with the crazy helmet he wears and what that means for another story so there's some really fun possibilities and then also like you guys were saying like yeah it's going to be a prequel well there's kind of a walk back we're not really you know we're not going to determine things about the timeline until the movie comes out then we'll let you guys know because speculation so kelly (laughs) um i I like this announcement and I feel like James Gunn at this point is just the type of director in Hollywood who can say something, even if it's just like a a random musing or, you know, I'll do that sometimes or it's really late at night and I have 10 cups of coffee in my system and I'm just like, guys, have you ever thought about what it would be like if dinosaurs were in the Bible or something like that? Like I, it just, and, and people will just bite it because it's James Gunn. So I feel like he can kind of put out a, a, idea for a series that's not fully formed or you know it's it's there but it's not there and it still turns into a whole big story and I I love that I love that he has this enthusiasm for this grouping of characters I I I really like that his enthusiasm is hopefully going to reshape the Suicide Squad into something a little bit better than what we saw before 
Um, and even if they had to backtrack, I mean, uh, that probably comes with, because I, I'll put out a ridiculous story idea when I'm super caffeinated and it's 4 a.m. And then the next day be like, okay, so maybe, maybe not all that, like maybe just let's scale some of what I just said back a little bit. Um, and it's just, it's, I feel like it's that happening on a Hollywood level where someone's actually going to make their crazy dreams come true. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited. I'm ready to see where this goes. And John Cena, I mean, I, I don't know at what point in my life he became sort of an urban legend, but I, I, at some point in either high school or college, he became both a meme and like this legendary figure like uh, Chuck Norris was when I was in grade school. So... <laughs> <laughs> I just love it that when wrestlers decide to get into acting, they become the most likable dudes. <laughs> like, I, who doesn't like The Rock? I mean, even right. like it's uh, Nick Foley's funny. Like, people love Batista now, and they and they love John Cena. So it's just it's it's always fun to see that that transition uh, to to acting. And generally, you know, lately they've been really good. I mean, The Rock's certainly a decent actor uh but yeah. has proven himself and so cena so it's just it's really fun to watch to watch that happen as well yeah yeah absolutely and i <laughs> i don't i think i think john cena is in the movie where the the daughters are preparing to go to their prom and they've all decided yeah. that they're going to have sex at prom <laughs> and it's like the parents and the kids dealing with the fact that it's like oh my god my daughter's alone for a night Love that movie. That's the, and it's such a hilarious <laughs> depiction of what it's actually like to be a an eighteen year old girl in some sense, and what I assume it's like for dads in their heads. But, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, I I mean you know they they do their best uh, in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I really really <laughs> like this announcement. Um, and I I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see if this is a prequel, if it's a sequel, if it. I, as long as it doesn't just not happen, I'm down. I'm excited. So our next story, a little bit bittersweet. Supergirl is going to be coming to an end, uh, coming to an end end at the end of season six. Um, Brad, what'd you think? This is a story where I wish I could talk like I talk on the, like I can talk on the uh, Mad Love podcast. <laughs> uh, because this really is frustrating <laughs> because they don't necessarily even give a real reason. It's just something that, well, Warner Brothers and the CW and everybody just decided, well, that's not good enough. Because to me, it makes it sound like, well, you know, the network's not big enough for two shows with, like, Krypton characters. And they're ditching Supergirl, the the, the show that started it. I mean, that's that's just really crummy. Because from what I can tell, the ratings were decent. Uh, people seem to really like the show. The cast seem to get along and to, and to like the show. They all seem to be, you know, having fun with it. So it's just it's just really crummy if it got pushed to the side because there is another Superman show coming. So yeah, I don't know. That that's that seems like a bad excuse. Uh, Seth, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I'm not buying it. Like there's another story, or I hope there's another story because. The, the really just pathetic, oh, well, there's two characters from Krypton. That could get confusing. Are you kidding me? Really? Like, I don't understand you right now, and I don't understand why you're still talking as though you're going to somehow, like, dig your way out of that hole. Good luck. Keep it up. 
but I, I hope there's something that they couldn't tell us right away, and eventually we'll learn, and it'll it'll provide a little bit of context or depth because this is one of those shows for hope and optimism, man. I mean, I, I love the content that it took on. I love the way it told, you know, how we figure out how to fight back by staying who we are and not becoming what we fear or crossing lines we don't need to. It, it was a powerful example. And I mean, the only thing that encourages me at the moment is the idea that Stargirl is going to be one of those bright lights, but how much more could we have done with both of them available? So I, I don't buy the current reason for the reasons that Brad, you pointed out and I support, and I can't wait to hear more about the story because doesn't make sense that a show that's done this well that I thought was very well done um, is suddenly just closing up shop. Kelly, how about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, this news definitely took me by surprise. Uh, and even c- considering that DC is making all of these big leaps into different streaming services and sort of uh, you know, shifting their shows around, a show that has been running this long and doing so well, to me, would have been a given. Um, I I mean, I, I saw in the article, there's kind of, well, you know, uh, the Lois and Clark, or that, that was the other one, Superman and Lois is starting up in 2021, so it's a good spot to end Supergirl. I just don't see it. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't like this news, but I'm hoping down the line, yeah, we'll get we'll get some additional uh, information that might make it make a little bit more sense. But as of right now, I I'm back in camp pessimist again, and luckily I've dragged you guys with me, or unluckily, <laughs> either way. <laughs> Look, if there was ever a time where the public or whoever you know, audiences at large could grasp the concept of two krypton shows it is now there's never been a better time i mean people can understand the the concept of the whole dc multiverse idea where you could have movies with different jokers and different patterns and things like that (laughs) people could freaking handle the idea of two krypton you know super shows you know that's just a yeah yeah it's a it's a really, really crummy excuse. And you know what? If they can't, they can look it up. Okay? If they yeah, don't get it, right. just do yeah, a little do research. Do a TED Talk. Like, well, don't make me get mad love on this, okay? I have no problem. <laughs> I all the F-bombs necessary to explain how you learn things. It's, it's part of, like, welcome to the world. <laughs> Sometimes there is more than one person in and from a place. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I we'll, we'll see, guys. We'll we'll see. I don't know. All right, but back into the positive. Um, and this this is awesome news. Watchmen, the HBO show based on the Alan Moore Watchmen comic, which unfortunately because Warner Brothers killed Alan Moore, we're never gonna get to hear his takeaway on it. Um, but they took home eleven Emmys. Brad, what did you think? Oh man, um, this is just so amazing for the show i mean and not only did it take home a lot of emmys it it really took home some big ones the best limited series best supporting actor in a limited series um outstanding writing for a limited series or dramatic special uh lead actress and if anybody deserved that award it was definitely regina king so i'm just so proud of the show and and so proud that it was well received and uh you know these 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 characters in the Watchmen mythology mean so much to me. I'm glad when when 
it's done well and it still has that great that great kind of reputation and pedigree uh seth what do you think okay so you're gonna hear a sound right now okay that's a you hear that okay that's my soapbox i'm climbing up and i'm saying for everything we were just talking about with the killing joke and what you can do wrong this show is everything about how you can do it right even with an original concept that tells the story afterwards and yet stays true to the heart and because of that receives the accolades and not the <clears throat> disappointment. So this was just a beautiful example of how you do it right and why when you do it right for the right reasons, this is the success that you attain because it's so authentic. Everyone's going to see it completely well-deserved. I could really spend a long time, but I'm going to happily say that this is how you do it right. Alan, Mr. Moore, sir, please know that some people are going to get it wrong but when people do get it right it, it's worth being encouraged by all right soapbox taking it with me kelly <laughs> i yeah the, this was such a good show i mean i not only enjoyed it but this is the type of show that i i force a, you know a show is good if i make my dad watch it because he's he has a he's very hit or miss with shows. He either loves it or he despises it, and you can tell by whether or not he's asleep 15 minutes in. He was not asleep 15 minutes into the show, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's it was so well done. So like you were saying, this is just the type of 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 spinoff that makes or should make a creator proud because it's such a well crafted and and thoroughly thought out expansion of a story um which the killing joke movie did terribly that is how you don't expand a story and this is how you do um and yet it just the this series was so well timed for when it came out as well it had so much um social and political commentary but managed to wrap that into watchmen flawlessly because watchmen at, at its core is a a book with a lot of social and political commentary and even though you know in, in that book we're looking back to um you know the height of the cold war and those fears this kind of played on something a little bit more personal and intimate and at the same time cosmic that we're looking at the interpersonal issues with um you know different mindsets in the united states and then we're also looking at you know, does time matter? Are we all going to blow up or be squished by giant squids? You know, the, these are the questions that we should be asking. Um, so, I, I mean, kudos to them. They did a wonderful job. And anyone who hasn't seen that show yet, please watch it. Like, my, I, I, I know it means nothing to anyone but me, but my dad stayed awake for that show. And if anything, that's an Emmy in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, I think even for the fact that it, brought back the idea of the Tulsa massacre into the public consciousness that so many people yeah. didn't know about it. That, that is important. Uh, yeah. You know, so even that is just, is just uh, amazing. And of all of the, you know, the adaptions of Alan Moore's work, I'd be more curious, most curious about his opinion on this than anything else. Cause this is something that I think that he would actually like, not yeah. that I can speak for him, but I think that <laughs> he, he, he would like it. <laughs> well, and without getting like too far into it, but man, there there have been too many times when I've heard the quote of, 
well, some things that were bad happened so long ago and, and so much time has passed since then. And I've looked at that moment and was like, what a great way to visually fly right in the face of that stupid argument, you know, and how many times since then that we can still point back to and say, these were moments in history that you can pretend to overlook, that you can try to forget, that you can try to leave out of textbooks and things like that. But don't worry, the people paying attention who, you know, know when it's the best time to make sure that it's a reminder. Uh, it was huge. It was such a powerful statement on top of such a powerful show. Soapbox again. I'm done. <laughs> no, but you know what? Now I'm going to borrow your soapbox because I, I mean. There you go. Climb up. <laughs> just to echo you guys, I, it, the, the Tulsa massacre was something that I didn't hear about until much later in life. Um, and this show kind of brought it back because you open up with that, that scene and it's, I, I watched it with people who were like, did that really happen? And it's like, yeah, the, I mean, not, you know, not that specific storyline, but that event happened. Um, and it's, you know, it's funny cause Alan Moore is, you know, into the occult and into, uh, shaping reality using story. And it just, it's really ironic that this show came out, a bunch of people learned about, you know, the Tulsa massacre, learned about what happened there. And then not too long after a, you know, specific politician decided that was the perfect place to host their first rally in a couple of months. I mean, it's, it's just not hilarious, but there's just something very bizarrely, I don't know. I, I don't even know the word for it, except that did this show push somebody to be like, this is a good place for us to do this. This is where we should go. Or was it, I, I mean, I refuse to believe that was a coincidence. But in any case, we're going to move to the story. <laughs> I, before I get into any political theories, we're going to move into the next story. Um, the Titan star, uh, Curran Walters, is praising his Red Hood costume. We haven't gotten to see it yet. But apparently it's pretty good. Brad, what do you think? Uh, I'm, I hope we get to see it soon. Uh, you know, so hopefully that was kind of a hint that we will get to see it in the next days or weeks. Uh, and one thing I liked about the story is how he discovered Jason Todd after getting the role and went back and, and read all these stories. Uh, because Jason Todd is a pretty complex character. And it's just good to know that he's doing his homework. Uh, Seth? I would have liked to have seen it as well. In fact, I, as we were coming up to it, I loaded the story again going, did we actually see the cut? No, we didn't. Did I, did a link not? No. Okay. I can be in, I can be heartened by one thing, which is when the actor likes it, I generally feel pretty good. You know what I mean? At some point actors have seen things and been like, that's not good. Wait, I wouldn't want to wear that. But when a, an actor is excited and like, man, this looks good. And he's taking that from the place of he didn't know as much about the character. And now he's learned a certain amount where he can connect those two ideas and make that kind of statement. I, I hope you're right, Brad. I, I really hope it is a teaser. Kelly, how about you? Yeah, I <laughs> I pulled up this article and spent a shameful amount of time watching the ad that popped up thinking the picture was going to come up. And then so I actually read alone. the article and was like, there's no picture here. <laughs> <laughs> so not alone on that. 
Exactly. Like I, you, I'm excited to see it. I, I love that the actor is excited, but I, I have nothing. I have nothing to go on here. This is that not news that I hate because it's like he loves his costume, and that's all. That's I, I fine. Whatever. <laughs> Show me the costume and don't make me watch any more stupid ads. <laughs> so our next story. J.J. Uh, Abrams is reportedly working on a Zatanna and Constantine show for HBO Max. Um, and this comes on the heels of him supposedly working on a uh, Justice League Dark series. Guys, what'd you think? Are you excited, Brad? Uh, this is, to me, this is like a <clears throat> kind of a new story that isn't uh, just because I. this is where I get cynical. And Whenever they announce something like this, I don't really necessarily buy it until I actually get concrete, like casting news and uh, things like that. So, you know, I, I would like this to happen because I love both of those characters, but um, I'll believe it when I see it. We've got a long way to go because the Justice League Dark series is still pretty early in uh, in the production phase. So fingers crossed. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I'm really excited for this. My optimism knows no bounds. It is boundless. I am suiting up completely now and carrying my flag forward. Um, I, I I feel like this is actually part of maybe a buildup to a Justice League Dark that's going to use these series. From what I thought I was getting from this story, was going to use these series to build into the idea of Justice League Dark uh, to get you know, sort of use Constantine Zatanna to bring us to different points or their stories as they connect and then together open us up into the wilder sort of more fun world of the JL Dark team as a whole. I I don't know for sure that that's what's going to happen. And Brad, I, I get it. Like, I, I, I want there to be more than just this. And I also know that there's a a long ways to go from making an announcement like this to actually like bringing it to the screen. But I'm intrigued by the fact that JJ Abrams has done a lot of stuff from like, really, he's going to do that. And then he does it. And I'm, I'm pretty impressed with that. So I like that. Plus the, the news about Constantine having a show again, the chance to develop on what was such a great concept uh, when it was brought to television originally and could be the chance that Matt Ryan could maybe get back in there. Um, a lot of good things for me to get encouraged about and how you can use this to do what we've seen before, which is introduce one or two solo characters and then come to a larger team-based story with that knowledge and history and development. There's a lot of things I'm excited for, but, you know, optimism guy, like <laughs> maybe it's the caffeine. Maybe it's just that, you know, <laughs> I've been down a couple of ditches. I'm, I'm, I'm always looking up. <laughs> Kelly, how about you? <laughs> I look, I, I am with you on this one, Seth. I'm optimistic. Um, I'm and, not and, alone. <laughs> and partly it's out of just Justice League Dark is such a good there. There's so much that they can mine from that story wise. It's such a rich storytelling area because it's everything we love about superheroes, but then throw in some magic and some witchcraft and some some just crazy monsters and stuff and like that's amazing that's really really cool um and yeah i i would have loved to see to to have seen a little more traction with the justice league dark movie but if these shows if these kind of individual character arcs are building up to 
a Justice League Dark movie, I'd be fine with that. Because one of my main complaints with the Justice League movie was that, you know, it's they they seem to want to come right after uh, Infinity War, but it Marvel took ten years building up all of those characters before they threw them into that. Whereas with uh, with Justice League, it just felt like okay, so we have Batman, we have Superman, we have Wonder Woman. Let's just these other guys. Let's just flop them on in there. They're fine. They're good. We don't need any backstory. Um, yeah. So I like this. This makes me excited and. Especially Zatanna. I love Zatanna. I'm amazed that she hasn't shown up live action yet because on top of just being really cool and having really awesome powers, she, I mean, she's probably like one of, if if I could cosplay as anyone, it would probably be Zatanna because she just always looks awesome. Like there's always some kind of badass magician leathery thing going on and I, I'm all about that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for this. And I really do hope that this gets fleshed out a little more and that we get some kind of casting news. Um, but we'll see. And so our last bit of TV news, uh, Static Shock's 20th anniversary is happening and fans are reacting to that. Brad, what did you think? Yeah, I, uh, I did not get to experience Static Shock the first time around the milestone comics kind of hit in a time when I wasn't collecting. Um, So I I love this enthusiasm and excitement and it's giving me that chance to experience for the first time and get excited to experience these things again in February. And they're going to have a, looks like they might be trying to push for a feature film. So that's exciting. So this is one of those things that there's no better time than now for for more static shock so yeah i i i'm definitely definitely looking forward to anything from from the character and from milestone uh, as it relaunches uh seth i didn't get a chance to catch this show i was knee deep in college stuff three jobs and way too much fun at night to ever be able to keep track like i would catch glimpses of it when i was flipping through and I go, ah, oh, man, I, I haven't seen any of this and know, you know, very little about how they brought the character to screen. I, I loved him in the comics. I love the milestone line. I, I still like I'm, I'm waiting to hear when we get to get some of my favorite stories and characters back. Um, I love that icon and rocket are part of the like what's being announced in this or being talked about as part of that conversation. And I can't wait to see these characters again, but for me, this is going to be a first time around. So I love that it's 20th anniversary. I'll get a chance to catch it. I haven't had a chance to catch it on DC universe yet, but um, I'm going to be gearing up for the fact that now we've got this digital first coming out and other plans in the works. And what a great way for me to dive back into milestone. How about you, Kelly? You know, I, I was going to start off because I, I did get to experience this show as a kid. And I was going to start off by saying I, you know, I was oh maybe 10. But this is the 20th anniversary. I know exactly how old it was when it came out. I was six. Like, I, I can do basic math. But um, it's it was an amazing show. Um, it, it was one of those shows that my brothers and I always, you know, like religiously watched on Kids WB. Uh, and I, I can't remember. I think it came on on Saturday mornings. And it, it was just so well done. And the characters are so likable. Uh, the storytelling is fantastic. And it it tackled bigger issues outside of just, you know, kid superhero stuff. But there, I mean, there were 
episodes about racism and episodes about, um, you know, be, being a better friend or or families that have really toxic dynamics. And they did it in a way that was both appropriate for children and really enlightening. And so I, I think this show had a lot to do with what made me love superheroes as a kid. Um, so, yeah, to see people coming back 20 years later and they're still excited about it. And I know one of my cousins has a couple of toddlers right now, and she's been dying to find somewhere to stream this show for them, um, which, uh, honestly, I should just give her my DC Universe password at this point, because it's still on there for now. It's still kicking. Um, but yeah, th- this is fantastic, and I'm so excited that Milestone is coming back. So we're going to move right into comic news. And start off with a a statement from Jim Lee that he would really love to do a Wonder Woman series someday. And he's probably going to add to or change up some pieces of her mythology. Brad, what did you think? I think that would be really cool because he has done work on Batman, Superman before. And of course, he has drawn her before in Justice League and things like that. But that would give him a chance to have worked really extensively with with the trilogy. And I love his art, so I think that would be uh, a cool thing to see. And I like the idea where he says that he would like to kind of expand her rogues gallery, uh, which I, I could see that being something that would be kind of beneficial. Um, she needs some good, powerful villains and maybe something more than, say, Ares. So I would like to see what kind of characters he would come up with, at, you know, to to kind of be another big villain for her. Uh, Seth, what do you think? Well, I really thought it was smart that he pointed out the the history that he can build on from either John Byrne or from uh, the run by George, uh, George Perez. So I, I love also that he feels that he's got these great ideas, but he also knows he needs to collaborate with someone who can bring them to life in the way he's looking for, uh, which means, as he says, I, I would have to team up with a really awesome writer. But I think the more people working with Wonder Woman, fleshing out uh, a lot of the elements of her mythology, as you pointed out, Brad, the rogues gallery, and also the fact that um, I I know that he's created some of these really iconic versions of characters like Batman to see his take on Wonder Woman and then also just to add it to the canon. You know, I love that when we got a chance to talk with Liam Sharp, we were talking about his great brave and the bull run and, and the way he was able to portray Wonder Woman and a lot of the mythos that they delved into with that series. So I'd be curious to see what Lee's take would be, how it would build and what he could add to it. Kelly, how about you? Yeah, I, I love this idea. Um, Jim Lee at this point to me can do no wrong. Um, and I, I do like that he's focusing or wants to focus on building up her rogues gallery because Wonder Woman is such a strong character in and of herself, but she doesn't have this uh, outside of Cheetah maybe she, or and Ares. She doesn't really have this huge, uh, you know, telling rogues gallery that like we might see with someone like Batman. So to to have a story that would expand on that and would maybe add some more icon- iconic villains for her, I yeah, I'm all for it. And I mean, it's Jim Lee. It we have to trust him at this point. He is literally driving the plane, steering the plane. <laughs> He's flying us. <laughs> so our next story, uh, Dan Didio is joining the Kubert School um, as as part of a as part of their regular faculty. 
Um, and this is a school that teaches comic book art, design, illustration. Um, Brad, what did you think? Uh, you know, it might be a step back from kind of being the head guy at DC, but this class seems really interesting. So I would be curious if it kind of goes about the whole creation to marketing kind of thing, it looks like. So I think the class seems cool, and I think that he would definitely have a lot of insight. So, um, you know, I... I figured it wouldn't be too long before he would find, a, you know, kind of a place to land after leaving D.C. Uh, Seth? I think this class is a really cool concept. And I think his experience is something that will really help, you know, show all the different ways that I would imagine after you've been doing something for a while. And if you're running the show, there's things you would like to be done a certain way because of how well you've seen them succeed or ideas that you have because of how maybe the company you were at or things were done or the way, you know, distribution happens or other factors, you, you can't always try them out, but you can develop what you think are the best ideas to support either a concept. And I love that he's got this class basically from concept to sale. I also think it's great that he's slowing things down a little bit, doing some teaching, reflecting. And this seems like a really positive step. I, I, I think the school is going to benefit from his expertise experience. And like you said, Brad, it sounds like a really cool class. Kelly, how about you? He's totally the professor I would have wanted in college. Like, I, I mean, everything I've ever seen of this man you know, speaking or or any of his interviews or, or appearances He's just fun. Like he seems really cool and he he likes metal and he's just I I would love to to learn from this guy. And yeah, the class sounds really really good. Um yeah, I mean it's it's making me wish that I had extra money in my life for further education, but you know, at, at this point I think yes, it's a different pace gig for him from, you know, being the editor at DC, but in any case, I mean, it, it's it it's a good I, I think it's a good landing spot. I think it's a good um, way for him to still be very much involved in co the comic books community and sharing a lot of what he's learned with future generations of uh, comic book creators. And I mean, he's he's done some awesome stuff. So I, I think anyone trained by him has a little bit of a leg up, if anything. So our last story Going right back into HBO Max, the show Raised by Wolves um, is it has already premiered on HBO Max and now it is going to be a digital comic published by DC. Brad, what did you think? I seen the first episode of this series and it is very bizarre. Uh, and I could see why it would need a prequel series. The story does kind of need some kind of clarification and there seems to be a lot of background uh, that they haven't gotten into. Now, granted, I've only seen the first episode, so I don't exactly know how much they explore the backstory in the series. But from what I've seen so far, I think that a comic series would be very helpful in understanding it. So, yeah, I think this is a kind of a cool idea and a cool way to promote the show. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm intrigued. This reminds me of something like Prometheus, which is the attempt to go back and tell the stories that preceded, you know, because there's so much mystery, you just sort of drop characters in and you're experiencing what's in the here and now without knowing all the things that went with it. I like the idea that, you know, OK, so here's the biggest thing that it leaves me with. I wish I was already watching the show. 
so then I could get the comic and and get a feel for why it you know adds more to it because visually everything I've seen as far as previous look gorgeous. It sounds really fun. It's like one of those great mysteries I would love to explore and watch develop. And now this comic just means I have to watch more television. Thank you so much, <laughs> <laughs> Kelly. How about you? Yeah, I I mean I've seen the the ad for this show and I wasn't necessarily compelled to watch it but I think I'll give it a try at this point um it is it, it's cool it's a cool idea that they're going back and fleshing out some of the history of the the plot in a comic book although I do get I, here's me being a pessimist again but I do get a little bit worried that we're gonna hit some sort of a stride with HBO Max where we're supposed to sort of flip back and forth between shows and comics to get the full picture, um, which would be both a disservice to TV shows and to comics. So, I I mean, hopefully we don't go down that road, but I'm willing to roll with it for this one. As long as it's not that god-awful sample comic they put out however many months ago. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Take this. (laughs) Whatever that was called, HBO Max, I don't know. But (laughs) I'll I'll give this one a shot for sure. So that wraps it up for our news for the DC Comics News Podcast, episode 87. I have been your host, Kelly Gaines, and here with my absolutely marvelous co-hosts. Guys, where can they find you if the audience has any questions for you or wants to, you know, hop in either of our camps, Brett? Uh, you can find me writing news reviews, DC Comics News, uh, and on this podcast and on the Mad Love Harley Quinn uh, podcast, also on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. Uh, Seth, where can people find you? You can find me hanging out with these guys so often. I mean, like almost <laughs> every week. It, yeah. See, that <laughs> laugh says that I'm right without like saying that, yeah, you know, he's just always here. It's <laughs> it's one of those things. It's how I define my life and it's how I make my Saturdays kind of like exist. So, yeah, um, I love hanging out with these guys. I love talking great stories. I love it when we do Mad Love, which is a fun one to be on. You can catch me there, too. It's hilarious. It's not appropriate for anyone under <laughs> 18. And that's what makes it so great. Uh, you can catch me hosting the Spinner Rack, and that's my top five picks every week from DC Comics. And you can find me social media, Twitter. I'm one more singleton. Instagram, I'm Seth the Writer, but my dogs Bruno and Fiji are much cuter. Otherwise, I'm Seth Singleton in the word story or storytelling in a search bar. Kelly, where can everybody find you? You can find me doing opinion and editorial pieces for DC Comics News. You can also find me on our other podcast, the Harley Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. Um, and you can find me here every week with these wonderful people talking about some awesome comic news. So if you've enjoyed the show, please be sure to like, subscribe, comment. We would love to hear from you guys. The DC Comics News podcast, as well as the Harley or Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast and all of our other great shows can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, And you can follow DC Comics News on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. And there is one last thing we like to close out all of our shows with, and that is to read more comics. Have a great night, everybody.